Well, welcome to the first Sunday of the year 2022. Yeah, it's weird to say that. I remember it was weird to say 2011, right? It was, too, it was weird to say 2001. Uh, 2022. We've taken a few, uh, well, it's, been, it's been two weeks now we've taken off for the book, uh, from the book of Judges in our series and that. Uh, we took it off to celebrate Christmas and we're going to take one more week off. We're going to return back to the series in Judges next week. Uh, this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, so years ago, my wife and I, we worked overseas in a number of places, uh, and we spent a couple of years in Afghanistan. God just led us there. Uh, it was a, it's a crazy long story. It's a really weird, just amazing story. Uh, but we lived in a guest house in, this, in the capital city of Kabul. Uh, and in that city, there is a river that goes through the city, and it is called the Kabul River. And when I was there, uh, I had seen pictures of this river uh, in, that would flow through the city in, from like back in the 1960s and 1970s, and it was full of life, and it was flowing, uh, and it was clean, uh, and it was beautiful. I have a picture of it right here. I just love even that guy's smile sitting on the, on the, on the wall right there. It just represents just what it probably felt like. Uh, it was beautiful, it was clean, it's full of life. And then what happened is that there has been, then after that there's years of war, there was also years of drought. There was also years of misuse and mismanagement of the river. So that today, it looks like this. It's polluted, it is stagnant, it is gross. And it didn't happen overnight. This wasn't just a one-time thing. This was years, it took years of, of a path, of a trajectory of moving in this direction for the river to look like this. And this paints a picture of what God wants to share this morning with us. We're looking at two things, and there are two things, it's just like there's two verses. And it's something just urgent, there's something uh, vital and important that God wants to share to us in these two verses. And it's in Hebrews chapter three, verses 12 and 13. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So I wanna start by focusing on verse 13, it says to encourage one another. And we're going to talk more about what this looks like, but we are to encourage one another how often? Daily. Every single day. The frequency for encouraging one another is daily. Then it says, as long as it is called today. What is that? We're to encourage one another every day as long as time exists, as long as there is a now, as long as there is a day that the Lord has made, as long as we wake up in the morning and we have life and we have breath in our lungs, we are to encourage one another. There is an urgency to this. We're to encourage one another. And the reason for this encouragement and the reason for the urgency, okay, this, this encouragement is not just some pat on the back. It's not just some like, well, buck up, camper, keep your chin up. You can do this. No, the urgency 
And so, so none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That word deceitfulness can also be trickery. And that word hardened, okay, that word hardened, we're going to look at. We can be hardened by trickery. The Greek word for hardened is pronounced scleruno. Okay, the root word means to be dried out and become inflexible, to be dried out, to become rigid or, or obstinately stubborn, just like the Cobble River. It didn't get that way overnight so that the hardening and the drying out inside of us is also a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not just one-time thing and then we're hardened. No, it is a process or a trajectory, if you will, in someone's life. And it's a trajectory that is obstinately stubborn, and this is really important. It's a trajectory that is obstinately stubborn and resisting what God says is true. A path that resists what God says is true. And the destination of this path, this trajectory to resist what God says is true, we can see it in the context of the verse in verse 12. The destination is a turning away from the living God. And the farther that we are moving away from the living God, the more dried out and hardened we become. And our verse, it tells us that what pushes us along, what nudges us in that direction away from the Lord, what knocks us and pushes us further into the wasteland, further into the desert, away from the living God, so that we dry out more and more and more. The, the author of Hebrews says that what pushes us in that direction is the deceitfulness or the trickery of sin. That's the enemy or maybe more like a, a weapon in the enemy's hands. And that weapon, it poses a great threat. It desires to inflict a great amount of harm. And so, we are called to fight. Fight against the deceitfulness of sin in each other's life so that we don't stand idly by and watch one another go down a path away from God, away from him, away from life, so that inside, as the further we go away from God, the more sickly we feel, the more barely alive we are to turn away from the living God. The word in Greek, turn away, or to fall away, it literally means to take up a position away, to withdraw from and stand away. And in this case, in our text, it is to take up a position away from, to withdraw from and stand away from the living God. I mean, the thought of that should rattle us. It should disturb us because notice how the author doesn't just say God. He says the living God. In the absolute sense, God is living, which is so much more than just to say that God is alive. Yes, he is, but it's so much more than that. God is life. John chapter 5, verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. Existence belongs to God, not just biological life, eternal life. It is found in him, and he doesn't keep it to himself. That's good news for us. He doesn't keep it to himself. All life is an overflow from God. It says that the son also has life in himself. And in 1 John chapter 5, it's super clear on this. It says, whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And Jesus tells us that he...
came to give us life, and he came to give us life in abundance. So this life from him, it's not just biological, it's not just eternal, but it is vibrant, it is full, and he is the source of all this. And when we are resisting, and when we are rejecting, and when we are doubting what God says is true, then we begin, that begins to knock us into a, into a trajectory away from him. Okay, when we're talking about moving away from God or drawing near to God, I mean, we're not talking about a physical move, are we? Well, we're not talking about a physical position that's relative to where God is or is not. I mean, we can go anywhere in the whole universe and we can't get away from God. So when we say move closer or, or further away, what we're really talking about are the invisible acts of our heart. Hebrews 11.6 says it this way, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I was thinking about what the verse sounds like when we, when we flip it, when we, when, when we read it in its negative form. It sounds like this, with faith, it's possible to please God. I mean, how, how cool is that? We can please God by faith, with faith, it is possible to please God. For whoever would move away from God, okay, will doubt that he exists and doubt that he rewards those who seek him, doubt his goodness, doubt his presence, doubt his promises, doubt his provisions and his plan. And that begins to move. When we begin to doubt that, it begins to move you. It begins to move me away from the living God when we stop trusting in what he has to say. When doubt creeps in and we're tempted to believe that there is something that is more significant, more special, more life-giving, more trustworthy than God. And then we begin to give the invisible acts of our hearts to give our belief and our trust and our passions and our love to those things instead. And those things, whether they're what our priorities are or what we look at or anything that we know is right but what we do is wrong. With those things, what they want to do is they want to tell you that they are more important to you than God or they're more real than God. And anything that tells you that, that is a lie, and it's meant to trick us, and it's meant to harm us. Okay, the reality of the world that we live in when it comes to truth is a very simple one. God always speaks the truth, always. He always speaks the truth. And Satan, the devil, our enemy always, always, always lies to us. We're told that the language that he speaks, uh, his native tongue is deceit. And the deception that he presents to us is always in contradiction in some way to God and what he has to say. God speaks to us truth, but sin and the enemy, they lie to us. They trick us. They trick us, right? Because sin, you think about it, sin rarely looks what, like what it actually is. And when we get lied to, we don't get lied to so that we identify the lie right away, right? It tricks us. So sin presents itself as something that it is not always. It defines itself as something that it's not. It reveals and tempts the, the little bit of enjoyment that you might be able to get out of it if you are obedient to it. But listen, it leaves out all the fine print 
every single time. It lies to us. It lies to the whole world. The Bible says there is a way that seems right. In fact, we've seen this, haven't we, during our time in the book of Judges. The book of Judges, it says this, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We get lied to. We get tricked. And our enemy is relentlessly at work, dedicated to the work of tricking us and leading us away, constantly tempting us to go down a path that would dry us out and lead us away from God, always at work. And we're inundated with lies, aren't we? Every single day, every single moment that would move us away from God and doubt him in any way. There is a way that seems right to a person, but the Bible says in the end, it leads to death. It leads away from life. Yeah, but we say, yeah, but it it seems right. I mean, according to my knowledge and according to my common sense and according to my understanding, it seems right. Plus, I mean, come on, it, it feels right. Let me tell you, our understanding and our feelings are relentlessly at work in us as well. We can't trust our own understanding just because we think it. We can't trust our feelings just because we feel them. The truth is that we often lie to ourselves in our own understanding and how we can feel There's a way that may seem right. There's a way that might feel right. But so often what it actually is, is like a mirage, right? We see it in the distance and we understand it to be something that it is not. And maybe our feelings are stirred because we put our hope in it and we begin to move in the direction toward it. But if it is in contradiction to God, it is only a mirage. There is no water there. It's a trick, and it's leading us further into the desert, away from the waters of life, away from God, further into darkness. God knows. He knows the world that we live in. He knows the enemy that we have. He knows our weaknesses, and he definitely knows what we risk to lose with a trajectory like that. He knows it, which is why he tells us that there's something that we can do. There's something that can help us to help correct these navigational errors that are constantly nudging us and pushing up against us to move us off course. He says there's something very practical that you and I can do as a church, as brothers and sisters. We don't have to stand idly by. We're not helpless against these lies. We're not destined to experience great loss. No, every day, as long as time exists, we are to encourage one another to help each other fight against these lies and these tricks. So how do we do it? What exactly is this encouragement? Well, it starts with being together. God made us. He made us to be together. He saved us to be together. Romans 12 says that we are each very special, that we are a very significant and very important part of the body of Christ that we need each other because we belong to each other and we each have a role, every single one of us. We each have a role in other people's lives when it comes to their faith and their walk with God. So encouragement looks like coming alongside each other together and to say one another, right? If I'm, if I'm reading the map right, okay? If I'm reading the map right, this is the direction. 
follow me, come with me. Let's do this trip, let's go on this trip together. This is what encouragement is. The word encouragement, it's the same word used by Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit. It literally means to call someone alongside, to be up close and and personal. And then, when that happens, when we're up close and personal, then we implore and we provide strength and we provide teaching as a family. As brothers and sisters, we remind each other about the truth. We point the truth out to one another. We talk about it and encourage one another with the truth, with what is true, and we do this together in church. Listen, other than being together and up close and personal, there are other ways that may seem right. There are other ways that may be offered to you to do church together and to live a life of faith without being close up and personal, that seems right. But I guarantee you that is exactly the kind of lie that the enemy wants us to believe. I mean, if there is something that can be done, if there is something that that can help steer each other back on course toward God, if there's something that can be done to reject and identify the deceitfulness and the trickery and the lies of the enemy, if there's something that can be done about that, isn't that the very first target of the enemy? Take out any sort of offensive weapon that we might have, right? To trick us into believing that we should or that we can in any way do this on our own or by any other means prescribed and designed by God to trick us into believing that it's okay to be away from the intimacy of family, to trick us into believing that it's better not to put myself out there, right? Don't risk getting yourself hurt by others. Don't don't make waves, right? I should just keep my mouth shut about that. That's that's their business. Just accept the path that they're on. Their truth is their truth. That is deception. That is deception. And these lies, they lead us to believe that we don't really need, that we don't really need to spend time together. It's just optional. If you got other things to do, then, right? We don't really need to spend time with each other. We don't really need to speak into the lives of one another. Let's just all get along and have fun and enjoy the journey, whatever direction that might be, that is a trick, that is a trick. And when we believe it, we are pulled from the herd, isolated, separated, going in a different direction and path, and is there when we are alone that we fall prey to the enemy, more and more, believing more lies and deception, going down further a path away from God. So when we come together, we are to fight against these lies for one another. We are not to fight with each other. We are to fight for one another. We're to be unified in battle with this. So when we come together with truth and with love, we encourage one another and we become a catalyst then. Do you see? We become a catalyst, a stimulus in each other's lives, adjusting trajectories in one another, stimulating and spurring and nudging. It looks like someone coming alongside someone and nudging them lovingly with truth in an effort to move them back on the proper course. 
Because remember, hardening is a process. It's a trajectory that we are moving toward. And encouragement is someone close up and personal who is working and, and laboring diligently every day to adjust any trajectory that's moving away from God by pointing out truth and battling the lies that cause errors in our navigation. Encouragement looks like someone coming alongside of me and reminding me again and again of God's character and his promises, his character and his promises that dwell in the midst of my circumstances. But my eyes are on other things, things that distract me away from the living God, things that lie to me and convince me that there is something better than him or that he is lacking in me in some way in my life to convince me that there's something better than him. And encouragement says to a brother or sister, encouragement comes alongside of me and says, get your eyes back on him. Remember, this is what he looks like. Remember, this is what he does. The encourager always points to God and then says, let me help. Let's do this together. But that kind of responsibility, okay? I mean, that kind of encouragement, when we think about it that way, that is a tall order, isn't it? I mean, if that's what we're supposed to do for one another, and there's that much at stake, then how do we get it right? How do I come alongside of you and, and you alongside of me and, and encourage each other the way that needs to happen and the way that is true? For that, we need a source. We need a source. I said that we'd be looking at two verses today. Verse 13 tells us that what we are to do together. Verse 12 says this, see to it, brothers and sisters, okay? See to it, every single one of us, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it. It's also translated, take care. Be observant. Be watchful. It can refer to urging someone to take action. He says to all of us, I'm urging you to be alert. I'm urging you to be aware. Watch your steps very carefully, brothers and sisters. And what you're watching for and what you're looking for is anything to do with an unbelieving heart that's described as evil and that turns away from God. So how do we fill the prescription of verse 13 for one another? Each one of us, brothers and sisters, are to be watchful with our relationship with God. Be watchful of areas of unbelief in areas where you are disobedient. Take great care and be watchful and listen to the words that God has to speak to you through his word, through his spirit to yours, helping us to be aware of the invisible acts of our hearts like unbelief and doubt and forgetfulness. Be observant so that we can respond and we can take action. Be watchful and take great care in your relationship with God because in everything that we're talking about, in the, in the horizontal relationship of encouraging one another, we need a vertical source of encouragement. Romans 15.5 says this, may the God of endurance and the God of encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. How do we know how to encourage one another? How do we know how to get it right and fight lies with truth? He is the God of encouragement and we have his spirit, the spirit of truth who has come alongside of us, 
close up and personal. And he is the capital E encourager in our life. We can't do it without him. We're absolutely incapable of even doing life together. We are dependent on him for even the breath in our lungs. So it makes sense that we are completely incapable of being a source of encouragement in someone's life. We aren't the source. God is. And then we just reflect what God is doing in us to others. And the further, listen, the further that we are away from him, the less we reflect him. So take great care with your relationship with him. Be very careful with it. Pay attention to it. We desperately need him. And then verse 13 makes it clear that we also need each other. We need God and we need the family of God that we've been adopted into. Church, be careful with both of them, that you aren't drifting from either. Okay, so practically, if you're like, okay, I'm on board with this whole encouragement thing, being together, what can we do then? What can we do right now? As long as it's called today, as long as there is a now, what can we do? Starting right now, to encourage and to receive encouragement then from, from each other. First thing, okay, if we're not already there, the very first place to start with all this is we need to start partnering with believers. If you don't have someone in your life that can be this kind of encourager for you, someone who is trusted in your life, who fights against lies for you, I mean, it really starts with finding those people and you don't have to look very far what I've seen is that either you have been led to those people or those people have been led to you into your life in some way by God. All we have to do is say yes. We say yes to that. I mean, maybe there's one person in particular that you can think of right now in your mind that you need to go to and you need to tell them that I need you in my life for my faith Maybe there's been a draw in you to be a part of a small group in some way, maybe a grow group or a Bible study, or men's ministry, or women's ministry. Uh, maybe there's been a tug in your heart to start a small group in some way. Russ and I, we've been talking about starting, he's been talking about starting up a men's fitness group. It's gonna happen, it's gonna happen soon. Why, why do we do this? Why do we meet together in smaller groups? For what purpose? So that we spend time with each other, so that we get to know each other. You say, what's the big deal about that? so that we open up our lives. We begin to open up our lives for people begin to see into our lives to begin to notice and to pay attention and to know how to be watchful in our life and know then how to offer support. Know then the truth that needs to be introduced to fight for us. We need to say yes to partnering with other believers. We need it, it's not, it's not optional. And when we partner with other believers, we need to tap into the source of truth together. Okay, in the very next chapter, in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, uh, just a few verses later, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's described as living, it's alive which makes a whole lot of sense considering the one who spoke it is the living God. We need the living word of God and we should not depart from it, not even for one day. And then we take the truth that he pours into us and we hold on to it and we hoard it. No, that's not right. We don't hoard the truth, we let the truth out. We let it go in love, that we do it with love for one another. What comes into us, then we reflect that in other people and we, we tell people what the truth is 
that God is speaking to us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, talking about what God does for the church and what he gives to the church. It says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up the body of Christ. And then he goes on to say that he does this so that we can become mature. And we're becoming more like Jesus. And then in verse 14, it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, that we're not immature anymore. So we're not children, we're not immature, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about, listen, about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Does that sound familiar? Rather, rather, okay, here's what we do to combat these things. This is how we come alongside and encourage one another and be a catalyst for change in each other's lives and fight against deceit. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part when each and every single part, remember we're all important, we are all vital, we are all significant to the Bible, to the, uh, to the body in some way. So that each one of us, working properly, working properly doing what? The work of ministry that you've been prepared for, for one another, speaking the truth in love and building up the body. And look what it does. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. so that it builds itself up in love. And we need God's truth in our lives to be able to speak the truth of God to others, to fight lies and trickery. It's our ministry and it's vital and it's urgent. It's our ministry for one another. And then we need, this is the last one, we need God's spirit in prayer. Hold on. There it is. Nope. It's all just going to come at you one time. Yep. I, there it is. There we go. Uh, it's all going to come at one time. So the very first thing uh, with, uh, we get, so we tap into the source of truth. We let the truth out in love. And then we are receptive to God adjusting our attitudes to begin aligning our attitudes with the source. Okay, and there's two sides of the coin I was thinking about this week when it comes to this uh, type of adjustment, when it comes to encouragement. Okay, one side of the coin, uh, our attitudes always should be being adjusted uh, to be the encourager, to understand and to remember what we are fighting against, right? We need to remember that we're not fighting our brothers and sisters. We're on the same team. We're fighting for one another. We're fighting against the deceitfulness of sin and their lives. They are attacked by the enemy. The enemy is lying to them and tricking them to deviate off of course. And the enemy is trying to hurt our family members. Do you see that? So our attitudes begin to be adjusted. We come to our family members then with an attitude of, of compassion and understanding about what is truly going on in their life. Years ago, I broke my shoulder and I had to have uh, surgery. And it was in this big, crazy sling for like several months. And, and of course, then the muscles, they, they atrophy and the, and the joint that freezes. And I had to go into physical therapy and it was a torture chamber. It was, it was horrible, it was super painful. Uh, but I had a physical therapist who was right there with me the entire time. And he was challenging me 
and he was encouraging me and he was steering my physical body back to the course that it needed to be on. Our attitudes for one another should be like that of a physical therapist, not police, but more like a doctor or a nurse or a physical therapist who comes alongside of others with compassion working and and providing uh, the support needed to steer their faith back to the course that it needs to be on. This is one side of the coin when it comes to adjusting our attitudes. The other side is the example, using the example of physical therapy, sometimes we're the patient, aren't we? Sometimes we're the ones that need encouragement. Sometimes we're the one that needs adjustment to our trajectory. And our attitude should always be allowing others to be an encouragement to us. This is a hard one. This is a difficult one. This takes wisdom. This takes some humility. It takes some trust to open ourselves up to that kind of relationship, open up to that kind of nudge with truth in our lives to steer us back onto a course where we've been tricked and lied to and where we've been duped. This takes humility, doesn't it? And the work involved, okay, the work involved in this to open up to this type of encouragement in our life, it starts long before the encouragement part happens, doesn't it? All of us, every single one in every relationship that we have, we are sending out messages every day in those relationships. And there's two messages when it comes to this. We're sending out either one or the other. One message is that it's okay to be real and honest with me. But that's okay to do. The other one, the other message is that it is not. See, we not only need to know for ourselves that we need other people, we need other people to know that too from us. We need them to know and understand from us that we need them to speak truth into our lives. We need to do the work in those relationships, in our attitude, in our behavior to communicate to them that we need God to speak through them to us and we need them to know it. Because if I don't, if what I communicate to you is that it's not okay to be real and honest with me, Well, then I begin to silence the source of encouragement in my life. I squelch the work that God wants to do through others in me to identify lies, to see where I've been tricked, to begin to adjust the trajectories that are a result of that, unknowingly moving me away from God and all the consequences of that trajectory. I don't think I need to go into details about how to communicate to others that it's okay to be real and honest with you. I think we all pretty much know the work that is involved in that area. Things like defensiveness or anger or being slow to listen, adjusting our attitudes. I mean, this is important work in what we're talking about today. And it's work that should not be ignored, okay? Not for one day, not for one moment, not in one relationship. We are to encourage one another every day, as long as it's called today, so that we're not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I think if we boil this thing down, I think what it's really talking about is that we are committed to one another, to spend time with one another. And that time that we invest together, we invest it around something or rather someone who is smarter than our own understanding, who is wiser than our own feelings, 
who is more alive than we are. Jesus, he is called life. He is called truth. He is the only one that we can go to who has the words of life. And then we take those words of life and then we bump into each other as often as we can. We speak those living words to one another so that we can continue to bump into each other to move us in a trajectory toward God so that we don't become hardened, so that we don't become polluted, so that we don't become dried out and stagnant and hardened away from God. And we do this as often as we can. Every day, as long as time exists, there is a great urgency for this. And so uh, as your pastors here at Gateway, uh, we have worked hard over the last several months uh, because what we want to do is we want to be a catalyst of change too. We want to come alongside the church and we want the church to be moving in a direction of what we've been talking about this morning in a direction of our values of this church like know, grow, and show. So we've dedicated the last several months uh, to two things two initiatives or, or two goal ideas that would move us in this direction. And we have spent time together. We have met together many, many times. We have brainstormed and we have prayed and then we have prayed some more about these two things. The first one is about partnerships here at Gateway. We want everyone to be committed to at least one other person in some way. And Matthias is gonna talk about a little bit more about this. Uh, but it's just about being, uh, having a partner or in partnership with someone or somebody's together here at Gateway so that we can spend time together, so we can be up close and personal. Right? So we can begin to look into the lives of one another and see where we can offer support for one another and the encouragement that so desperately needs to happen. And then when we do gather together, we gather together around the word of God. Together in God's word. And Matthias, he's actually gonna come up now and he's gonna spend just a few minutes and he's gonna, he's gonna end the sermon uh, and he's gonna give us something very practical, a very practical next step uh, and what we've been talking about this morning and that begins to move this church and we begins to move us in partnerships together toward the direction that God has for us with these two initiatives. Uh, so I hand it over to you, my brother. Yeah, thanks. I love it. This is so good because it really fits again with uh, some of the things we've been talking about and, and praying about really for the last few months as we think about uh, the next few months ahead of, as a church. So I just want you to think about, so this is January 2nd, 2022, and, and I want you to think about now until, gosh, summertime about June when it might be getting warmer and <laughs> sun's out and things like that. And, and again, uh, as a church, there's so many things that we can focus on and give our time to. But as we think about our church right now and, and some of these things that Gary's been talking about, we've been just nailing down to two things that, that we really want to focus on over the next few months as a church. And that first one is like Gary's saying is that, that we would help everybody in our church find one other person or a group of people that everyone would find someone to be committed to, 
to be able to encourage one another in following Jesus Christ. That could be within a grow group. Many of you are already in a grow group. That's a great place to form a partnership where we're committed to one another. It could be in a ministry team. It just could be you and your spouse looking, uh, looking at another couple and saying, let's just start getting together regularly, not just every so often, but let's just, how about every week or every other week getting together? It could be another couple or it could just be one other person. I want you to think about that. If you just had one person in this body that you would feel comfortable meeting together with to encourage and following Christ, who would that be? I want you to think about who that person might be. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to encourage everybody to find at least one person. And if you can't, we want to help you find someone. We don't want anybody to be alone. And then again, as we find someone, uh, a partnership like this, we're going to encourage these partnerships in reading God's word together. And there's so many ways. It might just be reading a book of the Bible together. It, it might be reading a section of scripture. For many of these partnerships, we're hoping it's reading big chunks of God's word, maybe even taking on reading uh, uh, the entire Bible over the next few months or over the next year that you could encourage one another in that uh, so that we can do some of these things together that Gary's talking about. That as we're together, that we could point people towards Jesus, the source uh, of truth. And, and we want to help you in Bible reading. And so uh, one thing we're going to do with uh, helping us in Bible reading is on February 6th, uh, we're inviting an organization called Walk through the Bible to come in and, and to put on a seminar for us to help us understand the big picture story of the Bible. So I could tell you a lot about Walk Through the Bible. We just want to show you a short video because I think it shows a lot better about what this uh, seminar is all about. So let's show that video. So I've never had the chance yet to be a part of this seminar, but when I see that, there's, there's two things that really stick out to me. Number one, that uh, it's interactive. It's not just sitting there listening to somebody talk for a few hours. You're moving, you're interacting with other people. And also, um, I, I love that it's uh, for all generations. Uh, you see young and old, and that's how it's going to be here at Gateway. Walk Through the Bible is going to come, and they're going to present the Old Testament section. They're going to start in the worship service that Sunday morning, and then we're going to invite you to come back at 2 o'clock in the afternoon for two and a half hours together, going through the rest of the big picture uh, of the Old Testament story. Middle school through uh, just all ages above middle school will be right in here doing this, and then we're also going to have the section for children for the elementary age kids next door at the same time. Um, it's going to cost $10. They charge $20 for workbooks and speakers, but we want to make it accessible to everyone. And so over the next few weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up and be a part of this to help us in Bible reading right now. Just save the date, February 6th, because we want to help everyone find someone <laughs> And we want to get into God's word together this year. Let's pray. Lord, um, just thank you for your word. And um, thank you for this church. And, and we want to be a church that doesn't just come and gather as a crowd, but uh, a, a church that encourages one another, that challenges one another, that points one another back to you. I pray that you would guard our hearts, that you would keep us from the deceitfulness of the enemy, um, and that we would be 
uh, open-hearted, soft-hearted to you, and not just ourselves, but that we could help one another in that. I pray for anybody in this room that that is really feeling alone spiritually. I pray that over the next few weeks, uh, you would help help them to find someone to be an encouragement. Give them the, the courage, put somebody on their heart to talk to. I, I pray that we could all find someone. And, and Lord, that this church would be a place where encouragement that, that, that comes out of a loving heart, uh, that that would be what happens all the time when we're together in our grow groups and our teams and, and as we gather here on the weekend. Lord, we love you and we pray that you would go with us today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we want to thank you for being here this morning. That's all we have for you. But uh, say hi to somebody on the way out. And uh, we look forward to having you back next weekend. You're dismissed.